0: Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to Him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, "'This man receives sinners and eats with them.' So He told them this parable, saying, "'What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing.'" And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I lost. In the same way, I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your love for each one of us here. And Lord, we know that Your love stretches far beyond uh, this sanctuary. Uh, It stretches to our community, our neighbors, and really around the world. Help us to get a glimpse of what one person means to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Two days ago, uh, an article intrigued me, uh, at least on the BBC news site, I don't know if anyone picked it up here in the States or not, but the lost city of gold has been found in Egypt. Did anybody see that article? It's the most incredible find since 1922 when King Tut's tomb was found. I mean, just the, the lost city of gold. It was uh, a city that has been lost for thousands of years and it's in Egypt. It is a city that the kings of Egypt in the height of Egypt uh, and their wealth and prosperity is where they went to. They're excited to find more things there uh, that really help us to understand how the kings lived in Egypt. It's the largest city ever uncovered in Egypt. Uh, The name of it is Aten. It kind of looks like it's A-T-E-N, Aten or Aten. It's intriguing, isn't it, to find something that's lost. It's intriguing to find something unique at the same time. And and that leads us really to a a thought about missions, because when you see a group of people, uh, what, maybe a Cornhuskers game or uh, maybe another kind of game, or this big traffic jam you have in town once in a while, No, we actually had a traffic jam yesterday coming through Ames, Iowa. We stopped to visit our son for a uh, a brief visit. And there's just cars everywhere. It's like, I know, I'm from Minneapolis. It shouldn't surprise me. But you come to Iowa, and I think as we lived there, yeah, that's right. You go to Ames, and on a Saturday afternoon, there's some sporting event taking place. uh, And so volleyball, I think it was. And I did yesterday think, wow, there are people in all those cars in front of me. I've brought this message before and challenged people, including myself, when you see that car in your way or traffic, you get annoyed and just say, if I was the only one here, this would be so much easier. No, when we look at a sea of people, we need to really look at it how God does and say, there's a driver in every one of those cars, and there's individuals that God cares about. Uh, A sea of humanity, we call it, don't we? kind of... There's just people everywhere. And here's my question, is it a lost cause to reach those people? Or could this be a lost cause, like that lost city of gold which was found? Well, the city was lost, well, the city wasn't, it was just lost from man. But souls are lost from from God, are are lost from Jesus. That's what this parable, these parables, in by the way, I like to call it the lost chapter of Luke. (laughs) It's not because it's missing, but it's all about lost things. It's the lost coin, it's the lost uh, sons we see later. We're not going to get to the prodigal son and the brother, but the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. It's a lost chapter. It's all about something that's lost. It's all about people and one person. It's our lost cause. That's missions, that's evangelism, to go after the one that's lost. And lost, of course, lost in sin. There were, Years ago there was... Uh, when I was a kid, you would see this spray-painted graffiti on things that said, uh, Jesus is the answer. And Jesus is the answer. Does anybody else remember that? Back in the 70s probably. Jesus is the answer. And somebody wisely asked and wrote next to it, what's the question? Is Jesus the answer? What's the question? You know, as we share the good news about Jesus, we can't just give the good news without the reality of sin. The question is, how can I be saved from my sin? Uh, When we go to a village in whatever country we're in, and they don't know about Jesus, what's the problem? They're trying to appease gods. Uh, There's one temple we drive by in India, and it's the snake temple. Seriously, it's a, they worship a snake. They worship snakes. They think the gods are embodied in the snake and the serpent. And I asked Pastor Luther, is that really? Go, yeah, they worship snakes there. Are they lost? Will a snake save anyone from their sin? No. That inborn original sin we have, not even just even thinking about the deeds, the thoughts we have that are sinful, we need a Savior, don't we? The people need a Savior. So the lost cause before us, and the theme is this, that Jesus' cause is to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19.10, I have come to seek… and The Son of Man, Jesus speaks of Himself, I have come to seek and to save the lost. So that's the good news. There's a a word before us, a, a clear direction, a clear calling. And I want to look at this chapter, these first few verses, first 10 verses to see three convincing examples that each one matters to Jesus. Every one of the people matters. When you're lost, Jesus is seeking you, and if you know Him today as your Savior, He wants to use you to seek someone who's lost that you may come across. So there's a message here for everyone this morning. You either need Jesus or you know somebody that needs Jesus, or maybe God will put somebody in your path that needs Jesus. Would you be willing? to share Jesus with them. The three examples, the first one, we're going to look at it in reverse order. I know that may be odd, but it's going to make a point, hopefully, that you'll understand at the end. But verses 8, 9, and 10, there's something that's lost, and it is, what, (laughs) a lost coin. We've heard this parable, perhaps, many times before, but the lost coin matters. And so, when 1 in 10 is lost, if 10% of something is lost, that's a lot. So this one coin, she had 10 silver coins and has lost one. Uh, this, this coin is valuable for some reason. I, I've researched this a bit, not extensively, but there's really some thoughts out there of what was this coin that's so valuable. Worth about a, a, den- a denarius, which is a day's wage. Well, if you lost a day's wage, would you stop everything and try to find it? But well, that would be valuable, but maybe it's worth more than even a day's wage. Uh, archaeologists say it could be part of her headband from her, her wedding, uh, a, a headdress from her wedding, kind of like part of something really important that would remind her of her wedding. Or even more important, some think it, maybe it was part of her dowry that she was saving up because we don't know if she's married here. So she was saving up for a dowry, maybe there's a family issue there, and... This was really important. She wouldn't be able to get married without finding this coin. Whatever it is, look at how intense she goes. That is. She lights a lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully until she finds it. It's valuable. Well, there's the earthly part of it. But in a parable, we always should look for the heavenly meaning, right? There's an earthly element, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And God is telling us here, you are valuable. That's what Jesus is saying. He's talking to the people... And he says, what can I I tell this parable to know that you're valuable? It's true. Jesus loves the little children of the world. He loves each of us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Because you're valuable, Jesus is seeking you. And because those you know are valuable to God, he's seeking to reach them through you as well. Let's be prayerful about, Lord, how can you reach me? And because He cares about those on the mission field, when you support ministries, your congregation or missionaries, that enables them to bring the gospel to them because He cares about the one. There's something else about this coin. I, I let my imagination go wild here. I, I picture this coin that has dropped on the floor. So if this is the coin, it's in her headdress or, or whatever it is. If I drop this on the floor, thankfully somebody has kept this sanctuary beautiful and clean if this was a first-century home, maybe there would have been a dirt floor. And when dirt dries out, what happens? It's like cracks, right? Those cracks that you see in the field you do not like to see in your fields. Uh, but the coin could have maybe even fallen down in a crack. It, it, it's got to be more difficult to find than just sweeping because she tried and she didn't find it. She swept and she, and she searched and she searched. It's helpless. That coin is helpless. I that happens to be a penny. I can't say, Abraham, come here. Come here, Abraham, where are you? It's helpless. Could Jesus be making a point here about souls? Isn't that biblical? We are totally helpless until God saves us, rescues us, reaches out to us. We don't even know we're lost. The coin doesn't even care, it's lost. But that coin will be recovered, will stay covered in dirt unless this woman is sweeping it. uh, A soul will stay in its sin until Jesus seeks it, finds it. And He does that through His Word. He does that through the congregation. He does that through you uh, of bringing the gospel to someone. We are absolutely helpless, and Jesus seeks us. The meaning to the second article of our creed is, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength come to Jesus Christ or believe in Him, but the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, and through His Word, and enlightened and sanctified me. It really expresses the lostness of a soul. That's what's really hard with evangelism and missions, is people don't even know they're lost, do they? And God uses various means, whatever gifts and talents He's given you, to, to share your testimony with people. What difference has Jesus made in your life? How do you know that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven? Are you trusting in Jesus? Is it coming from God's Word? Because people are helpless, Jesus is seeking them. Yes, we may be helpless, but aren't you glad Jesus is relentless? He's like, it sounds strange to say that, but He is sweeping through the things of life even more diligently this woman does to look for this coin He seeks us. And oh, we ought to give Him praise. If you know Jesus today, you ought to be praising Him. To ignore the conviction of sin when Jesus is calling a sinner to repentance is like leaving the dust lie on that coin, never to be found, and maybe not ever swept again. There's a danger, isn't there? For Jesus says, in the same way I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is looking for that. Repentance. Repentance and faith. That's how we're saved. So to bring people to that point takes investing in them, loving them as Jesus loves them, and then being willing to share the gospel that they're lost without Him. When one in ten is lost, Jesus cares for that one. Let's change the numbers up a little bit, shall we, on the next point? There's a second parable, if we go up a little bit. There's a second parable that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost? Because when one in a hundred is lost, Jesus still has a cause. He still goes after the lost when it's only one in a hundred. Now that's just 1%. It was 10%. Well, that would be worth it. What if I'm just one? 1%, the 90 and 9, maybe you remember that old hymn, the song, the 90 and 9, He leaves in the open pasture to go after the one that's lost. What could Jesus be teaching here that when one in a hundred is lost that He cares about them? Well, if we look at verse 4, there's an expected outcome here, isn't there? What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Which one of you wouldn't? Well, it'd be preposterous to think that any shepherd wouldn't care about one sheep. Jesus says, I'm that shepherd. I am going after the one that's lost, and that one is valuable. I have a cause, Jesus says, and we ought to have that cause when there's one that's lost. Maybe you think like I do, I didn't take a chance to look through everywhere in in the congregation, but sometimes we we have these confirmation pictures on display. When I go back to my home church, it's, oh, look at all these confirmation pictures, or my kids try to find a picture, yeah, look at Dad, there you are when you're confirmed. And then I always think at the confirmation picture, where are the others in there? Are they still walking with the Lord? Was confirmation a graduation for them? Uh, we all know people maybe who confessed faith in Jesus Christ and maybe they've walked away from him. They've they've forgotten him. They've grown dry in their faith and stagnant and have even backslidden. Does Jesus care about those ones? There's quite a ministry there, isn't there? If you have an influence on those, I'd encourage you to give them a call, give them an encouraging word, invite them to church, something like that again. Pray that you could somehow be involved in their life when one is, and a hundred is lost even. Jesus has a cause. Sheep are valuable, aren't they, as well? Uh, like, a, uh, like a coin is, but I think what Jesus is even teaching more here is that the sheep is vulnerable. Are souls vulnerable? The sheep, they flock together. Why? It's safer, isn't it? God's made them that that way. They flock together, they're social animals, and when one is out by itself, it is vulnerable. Time is of the essence for the shepherd when there's one missing because either the shepherd finds the lost sheep or a predator devours the sheep, or a thief abducts the sheep. <laughs> there's all kinds of things that can happen to a lost sheep. Die of dehydration, die of hunger. Oh, for the shepherding mind of Jesus' day, it was obvious the answer here. What, she, what shepherd among you wouldn't go? Oh, nobody would leave the sheep there. They'd go after him. Jesus says, I am that great shepherd. Verse 7, I tell you in the same way there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care about the 99 who are still in the fold, who are following Him, but He cares enough to go after the one that's lost. Because people are vulnerable, Jesus cares, and we ought to care about them. When we were visiting our congregation in Geneva, Switzerland, it was an evening service like I think I mentioned earlier. and about 20, 25 of us, I suppose, seated in a circle, and they had prayer concerns. And one young man said, pray for my brother. He's really hanging around the wrong group of friends again, and it's not good for his soul. not good for his life. What was that brother's concern? His brother's vulnerable. He says, he needs to be here with us. My brother needs to be in the good fellowship and that's Jesus' heart for people as well. We're vulnerable without Him. Oh, we need to have this fellowship together. I'm thankful for your congregation who's reaching this part of the world. And I'm thankful for each congregation. Because you're vulnerable, Jesus seeks you. And because you are lost, Jesus seeks you. The sheep that is lost, that's why the shepherd goes off, because they're lost. So that, what's the heavenly meaning behind this? Well, Jesus cares. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have what? Gone astray. Do you see the connection here? We have all gone astray and Jesus seeks us. Each of us has turned to his own way, Isaiah says. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him or to be laid upon Him. Oh, that is there, but unless we receive that forgiveness from Jesus, we are still lost in our sin. And that's what the world... Needs to know that they need Jesus. If you know that peace and joy of walking with Jesus today, be renewed in that to tell someone else. Oh, there are a lot of lost people around us. But do we throw up our hands and say, it's a lost cause? Or do we say, we have a lost cause and we're going to go after them? And as a congregation, we want to find ways to reach our community. Thirdly, this third Uh, the third lesson that really brings it home a convincing example to us is another number, but it's not in our text. I'm going to give you a number, how I'm going to interpret verses 1 and 2. Let's look at 1 and 2 and see who's there. All the tax collectors and the sinners. How many people is that? (laughs) How about we say all the tax collectors, all the sinners? They were coming near to Him to listen to Him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told this parable." I'm going to give you a number, and the number is 7.7 billion is all the people in the world, give or take a few. Now, that's an estimate, the latest number I could find. If there's one lost person in 7.7 billion, does Jesus care? I mean, that seems like a lost cause to me. How would you even find one person lost? But that, that's the, the depth of our Father's love. He cares for one individual. And He's not bound to space and time like we are. He works in all the countries, in all the villages, in all wherever His word goes. He has bound His, wor- His work, His gospel to His word. That's why we believe with all our heart we've got to have... Bible translators giving Bibles to different villages that don't have it. We've got to have people to go there and bring and open the Word and explain it to them. And the Holy Spirit has bound Himself to the Word of God to bring life. We don't believe there's somebody just has a vision out of nowhere and somehow they're saved. No, God has bound His gospel to His Word and that's why we have a passion to reach the different areas of the world and our community. It's interesting here in the States, we, we have maybe a lot of dusty Bibles <laughs> sitting around in homes, don't we? And Maybe it's become just more of an outward thing, a tradition type of thing. But oh, that we would be renewed in that vision to really seek and to save the lost like Jesus did. Here's a few application points for us from verses 1 and 2. <laughs> who, who are the people? The tax collectors and the sinners were coming... And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were the religious people of the day. So Jesus had these people coming to hear Him and He says, Let me tell you a story. God's looking for the lost ones. Are you listening? (laughs) The scribes and the Pharisees were lost, weren't they? They opposed Jesus at every turn. Most of them. Nicodemus, you could make an argument there. He's one that came to Jesus at night asking how He could be see the kingdom of God, that He has to be born again, right? Jesus told Him. When one is lost, Jesus is after them. And because, and this is really, because we are religious, because you are religious, uh, you are, you're here today, by world's definition, if you do something outward that looks like religion, you're religious, right? (laughs) That's what it is. Because you're religious, you may still be lost. That's really the message Jesus is bringing here. The Pharisees and the scribes, I need to tell you about lost people. And God wants to reach in and save you. Oh, we have that tendency to think we're okay because we do outward religious things. But religious people may be lost today just as they were in Jesus' day. Who was it that crucified Jesus? (laughs) It was the religious leaders of the day, wasn't it? And the people. Give us Barabbas, and for Jesus, crucify him. Those of us who have grown up in the church are in danger of thinking we're okay. Aren't we? We're okay because we've grown up in the church. We're not like those who haven't ever heard of Jesus. We're at risk of convincing ourselves that our outward actions will automatically cleanse our souls. (laughs) Our outward actions cannot cleanse our souls. We need... Jesus Christ to come in and forgive us our sin, simply by confessing our sin to Him. Oh, that, that truth would be evident in our lives, and then in, that would motivate us to missions and evangelism, wouldn't it? What was the most religious city of Jesus' day? <laughs> Jerusalem. They stoned the prophets, don't they? And Jesus wept over Jerusalem, do you remember why? Because they missed the day of their visitation. They did not recognize Jesus as the Savior. That sounds like today. Well, and because people are sinners, Jesus invites you to listen to Him. That's who Jesus invited. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Him, and they're in the group, aren't they, with the scribes and the Pharisees? So He told them this parable. Oh, that is who Jesus invites to listen to Him. The greatest compliment you could ever give Jesus would be, He eats and welcomes sinners. And Jesus would say, yes, that's what I do. I have come to seek and to save the lost. Oh, Jesus invites each one to listen to Him this morning. Romans 10, 13, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? How will they call on Him who they've not believed? How will they believe in one whom they've not heard of? How will they hear without a preacher? For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. So we live in a challenging day today, but it's not a lost cause. It ought to be our lost cause. How to bring this message to our communities and world. Oh, the opportunity to repent. Always remember that. If someone is convicted of their sin and you're talking with them, don't don't leave them hanging. Say, I know someone who will forgive you of your sin. Oh, I feel so terrible, I don't know what to do. I do know what to do. It's Jesus who's brought conviction of your sin, and would you please ask Him for forgiveness? Sunday school teachers, when you have the opportunity, sometimes our children in our classes feel really badly about something. Just teach them to come, just repent Confess your sin and ask Jesus to forgive it. What a beautiful thing. That's the ministry we have. Oh, we have that opportunity to repent. However, that opportunity does not last forever, does it? We have this life. If I could help you, have you imagine with me a busy city street in the country of Uganda, going through the capital city. It's one of those intersections, if you've ever seen pictures, I've, I've never seen anything like this in Nebraska, <laughs> but where you come to a stop sign that's like five or six roads coming together and there's no signs and everybody just does whatever they want and somehow you push in and then you go and then they drive fast and we came to an area of a road and everything was stopped. What's the problem now? <laughs> And as we inched along, there was a man who had tried to cross the street and didn't make it and was hit by a truck. You know, when you see, when you come upon an accident like that, you don't ever forget it. And we dare not ever forget that, you know, for that young man that day, his time was up. Did he know Jesus? I don't know. But if no one ever brought the gospel to Uganda, would there ever be a chance he could know Jesus? Never. And that's the same for here. We need the gospel. We need your congregation to shine brightly. We need each individual believer here to shine brightly because there are lost people around us who may not see tomorrow. And that sense of urgency really needs to drive us. The 7.7 billion, oh, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged that you know the answer. They need Jesus. I do want to ask this. I want to put this challenge out there for us. If you are one of the lost ones today, and, and you're convicted by your sin, and you realize, wow, we, I do have a loving God that really cares about me. It says right here in His Word, He does. Would you come to Him today? Would you confess your sin to Him? and you say, Jesus, forgive me. Come in and forgive me. And make me one of your children. Today is your opportunity to repent Anytime the Word of God is shared. And then, if you know Jesus, would you take that message to someone else? Just pray, Lord, send someone that I can love in your name and show them what it is to know Jesus. We have a great cause. Our cause should be for the lost, is Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Word It's clear, Lord, that you love each individual. You look at each one as though they were the one you died for on the cross because you did. Thank you for that. I pray that you would empower us and motivate us. Give us a passion for souls as you have. May our missionaries be encouraged today too in whatever field they're serving on. Uh, Just fill them with hope. Help them to see the fruits of their labors. Help them to see people coming to know you as Savior. Lord, we need a a bigger army, a greater army that would bring the good news throughout the world. Lord, begin with us. Begin with me. We thank you for your word. May it bear fruit for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.